approximately 12 minutes from now, I will be murdered. How well do you know your neighbors? You see many of them every day. But have you ever wondered what goes on behind their doors? Every true crime story is actually true for someone. Detectives Podcast, a cozy corner to talk about mysteries of all kinds. I'm Hannah. And I'm Lauren. Today we will be covering the first season of Only Murders in the Building, a comedy TV series created by John Hoffman and Steve Martin. As the IMDb blurb states, three strangers... It's been a minute since I've messed up on an intro. I just want to point out I'm getting better. You've been doing so good. (laughs) Thank you. Three strangers who lived in the same New York City apartment building and share an obsession with true crime suddenly find themselves embroiled in a murder. The overall vibe of this show is very warm to me. Yeah, I would agree. It's not as warm as like, I don't know, like a Gilmore Girls or... um, Right. I think it's... The really small condensed community of having everybody in that one mm. building. Yeah. And like it has a cozy element to it. Yeah, it's kind of campy. Oh, very campy. Yeah. They do some like artsy stuff with some of the episodes, but mm-hmm. overall, I mean, it's still a sitcom, you know? Yeah, it's definitely a comedy. I mean, you can't have Martin Short and Steve Martin yeah. heading it. And not it like it has to be <laughs> it has to be comedy, and they are so good together. Like I yeah. think they've been comedy partners for a long time. Really? Oh, I think they've worked together quite a bit in their like careers. That's very cool. At least that's what I gleaned. The addition of Selena Gomez is perfect. <laughs> yeah, she's she's the great like foil to them. I think because they are both so campy and goofy, and like yeah. she has her moments where she is, but like for the most part, she's like the straight man of the yeah crew who's just like oh my god, trying to keep these two <laughs> you like, guys chill men like. in line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's a fun dynamic. Yeah, and it is. I will say, while it is pretty low stakes because of the nature of the show, it, it's a little frustrating sometimes because it's like, even if it doesn't last for very long, there are moments where they they do the trope a lot that some characters know something and the other characters don't. Mm-hmm. And you're worried about the character that doesn't know something or something bad happens to them and I just, I want them to be winning all the time. All the time. <laughs> I watched this as I think season two was already out. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to binge watch it, which I think made yeah. me enjoy it more because mm-hmm. yeah, it watching it week to week and having to like wait in any capacity because it, it's a cliffhanger kind of show. Oh, for sure. Every episode leaves you on a cliffhanger pretty much. And a lot of them turn out to be like a non-issue a lot yeah. of the cliffhangers do yeah. but you're still so on the hook for the next one so I yeah. do think it's it's a good binge I mean the show. first season is like a huge cliffhanger which 
I don't know if you've listened to the podcast. I do not enjoy climbing. <laughs> I don't like it, especially in books. They can be really frustrating. Yeah. It's why I love a mini series. I want it to be wrapped up in a nice little bow at the end. <laughs> the whole story is told. Yep. Yeah. I feel yeah. that. But do feel that. that being said, it is a very enjoyable show. Yeah. The building th- that they all live in is called the Arconia in New York. And it is beautiful. So pretty. So they're like all super rich uh, yeah. or oh, have yeah. like old money or inheritance money or inherited this apartment. So like they might not because um, they think like Oliver is having some money troubles in this season. For sure. He's like a, a struggling Broadway director. Yeah. The apartment has like been in his family or something. So it's like he's struggling to pay like his building fees, but he like owns the apartment outright and everything. But these apartments, you guys, the set designer who mm. designs these apartments, mm. they are beautiful. Thoroughly ghosts. Because you see quite a few. Um, oh, yeah. A bunch You're, of characters. Go through a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. And they all are like, they all look like professionally designed, which they are, but like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> drastically different vibes. And it's very clear that pretty much everyone has a ton of money. The only apartment that's really not done up is Mabel's. And that's the whole thing with her character. That's why she's there is to sort of renovate that apartment. She doesn't at all. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> she doesn't do anything to it until like the beginning of season two. Really? Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> She I paints like some portraits season. on the wall of season two. Um, but like it's still even a good ways into season two, it's still like <laughs> nothing. Not <laughs> renovated. <laughs> She's busy solving murders. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, it's a great little trio. Um, yeah. they have a great dynamic and like the general set and setting of the show is very I think cozy and warm and the music oh my god the music cues are oh, so yes. fun every time they come on i'd like start doing a little jig you know like, the music uh. cues are really good yeah. <laughs> yeah i love the the theme as well i think it's super well done the animation with them in the windows and the the theme song um i mm-hmm. never skipped it i was like this is just so great yeah <laughs> it's visually very striking and like fun to look at and watch as you're meeting new characters with each episode, you're like seeing them in the opening title. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's fun. Yeah. I like it a lot. So we're going to go kind of in depth on the first episode as we meet everybody. Um, and then we'll talk more broad strokes for the rest of the series. Shall we? Yes, we shall. Okay. So the first shot is a foreshadowing shot Mm. literally it does not come back into play until the last shot (laughs) of the series (laughs) yeah season you're kept on that hook literally the whole time and i forgot about no answer for it (laughs) yeah right yeah a swat team burst into the arconia and oliver is martin short's character and charles is steve martin's character um, they rush down the stairs to retrieve Mabel, who is Selena Gomez's character. She is crouching over a dead body covered in blood, and she says, it's not what you think. And then a smash cuts to two months earlier. Indeed. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> so and what this, the fuck? just heads up, if you're going to go into this, this is like the first thing you see, and you don't get an answer to this in this season. No. I totally forgot it happened. 
if I'm honest. Yeah. It if that is sort of frustrating to me, but it did yeah. keep me on the hook. And then immediately, of course, like it makes you interested in what the hell is going on. Oh, for sure. So throughout the series, you get voiceovers from um, mostly the three main characters, but also some other characters pop in along the way, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting because the whole premise is that they start a podcast. And so I think it's a, meant to be them voicing over for the podcast. Maybe. I think so. I think it is like them describing what's happening for the context of the podcast that they okay. end up starting. This first episode, the podcast doesn't exist. Right. So I'm assuming it's just like the f- first episode of the podcast. They do. That they're kind of introducing themselves about. and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I think the voiceovers are supposed to be the podcast. Kind of neat. But yeah, we've kind of touched on our three main characters. There's Charles. He is uh, Steve Martin's character. And he is kind of like a washed up TV actor who yeah. like had his heyday and it is well past it now. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he's struggling with that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. People Bless like him. notice him and recognize him, but only kind of. And they're not that interested. <laughs> I love Charles. So I think I, I think Charles is my favorite of the three. They oh, all- gosh have moments where they get on my nerves but charles is the one that i find funny most often (laughs) yeah i just i love selena gomez so much yeah that's true that's true she's just yeah and she's she plays the sassy girl so well yeah anyway so she's very like tough gal something to prove her little opener she's like i've always dreamt of stabbing someone with my knitting needle if they come at me because new york is scary (laughs) like damn okay (laughs) she's very independent yeah and has the wardrobe of dreams oh my her clothes in this show are like i feel like i would her sweaters her sweaters they fit her so well they do it's like kind of vintagey yeah it kind of reminds me a little bit of nancy drew if nancy drew like was glamorous yeah oh like yeah a little bit more like put together or cared about that sort of stuff Then we also have Oliver, and I think we said it, but he is kind of a struggling Broadway director. Um, He's very theatrical and over the top in everything that he does. Like, dramatic (laughs) to a degree where you're like, oh my god, sometimes I want to throttle you. (laughs) Chill, like. Times a billion, yes. (laughs) A lot of times it's funny to me how dramatic he is. I also love it played up for like laughs and it's great um but sometimes i'm like oliver i swear to god (laughs) stop it in real life he would annoy the hell out of me yeah it'd be way too much for real life but as a tv character he's very fun yeah it's fun to watch oh and so um all three of these actors are executive producers of the show and it was Mm -hmm. created partially by steve Steve Martin. martin Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, I like when actors have a little bit more control and say so over the project because I feel like they perform better and also it just seems more authentic that way. Mm-hmm. For example, like Margot Robbie was really heavily involved in Barbie and right. I feel like that comes through and shows very much in that movie. They care about it, you know, like yeah. it's their project. Yeah, they're very invested. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it, that definitely shows in yeah. this show as well. All of the little behind the scenes clips from this series that I've seen are just the most adorable shit. 
with the three of them hanging out. The three of them. I'm really quite je- jealous of Selena Gomez being able to be like <laughs> buddies know. with Steve Martin and Martin Short. Because the, the, yeah. the off-camera relationship is also very cute and endearing. So they all meet in the show in an elevator, which is a common theme. The, the elevator man. They're all going to their apartment buildings. And then a dude comes in. He's holding a garbage bag. He's on a business call. He gets off the elevator. They have weird banter, sort of, not really. <laughs> and they all go to their separate rooms, and you get a glimpse into each one of their lives. And yeah, they're wearing the outfits from the theme animation here. So it kind Which of. Which is so cute. It's really cute. It clues you in and like helps you connect people. And yeah, it's fun. I like yeah. that. It's a, a good touch. addition. Yeah. But the common thread here is that they all kind of settle into their evening routine and turn on the same true crime podcast. Which is Tina Fey. Tina Fey's in it. Yeah, she <laughs> plays Cinda Canning, who is a, like an in-universe person who is hosting her own true crime podcast that these three main characters are all fans of. But it's not a normal true crime podcast where you take stories that have already, you know, resolved and they do research and tell it. It's like she's the journalist and it's like her medium right it's like an investigator she goes undercover and like figures things out and stuff happens to her and then she talks about it and like records things live and it's it's Mm. it was kind of weird for me to wrap my head around because i've never listened to a podcast like that but it's interesting it is interesting i listened to season one of um up and vanished which is the first one that comes to mind where this guy started a podcast looking into like a like 15 20 year old missing persons case like it wasn't even confirmed a murder because they never found a body or anything but like she's just been missing and it was like small town georgia Mm. i think Um, like sharp objects through his investigation and just like kind of uprooting stuff and like going to the town and interviewing people there he ended up uprooting for was real? the catalyst for that murder being solved. For it was real wild. skis? Oh, Highly wow. recommend the first season. It's really wild because <laughs> like it starts out as him just being like, yeah, I'm just kind of in, like interested in looking into this case. And then as he starts like involving actual people from the story and stuff, like stuff starts getting stirred up. The police Damn. get involved. They start looking into stuff again. It's wild. It's a trip. <laughs> okay, so it is realistic. But. It is realistic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. I don't know how often it happens, but um, it's very similar. What Cindy Canning is doing is as like an investigative, ongoing true crime podcast. Um, as they're listening to this, the fire alarm goes off and they all go downstairs. Charles on his way down sees someone heading upstairs who later mm. becomes dubbed tie-dye guy. Tie-dye guy. <laughs> <laughs> and the gang meets up in a restaurant across the street from the apartment building, and they discover their mutual interest of this podcast. Um, so they all, like, sit down to dinner, and the beginnings of their relationship flourish. Mm-hmm. It's fun. <laughs> it's a cute little scene. Because, yeah, they just kind of get wrapped up and start ordering food and drinks and yeah, end up having a full evening just, like, talking about how they love this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very fun. cute. When they get back, it is revealed that someone was found dead on the ninth floor, And their immediate reaction is, let's sneak in and go look. (laughs) (laughs) Which I just, maybe they were destined to have a podcast because the way that this, I would just never, ever do this. Like, it's realistically, absolutely not what I'm told and follow the rules. The only person that has, like, actual reason to go look is Mabel. The other two are just, like, in it for funsies. (laughs) 
Which is how they go through life in general. <laughs> yeah. Which is honestly kind of great. Yeah. And they actually realize the dead person is the guy who got on the elevator with them earlier in the evening. He and he's been shot. shot. Yep. And they meet Detective Williams, um, who's played by Divine Joy Randolph. How do you how do you feel about her? I mean, she's also very campy. Yeah, yeah. And I think from that approach, I think it works because she's just very campy. But like, yeah. I mean, if that works for you, it works for you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's one of those like acting decisions that like you're going to fall on one side of it or the other. I don't yeah. I I enjoy it, but she yeah. is just like very campy. And there's some characters that do both in this show. And she's yeah. kind of a one note. Yeah. Every one of them has their moments for camp where I'm like, is this on purpose or is this bad acting? I'm sure it's on purpose but i you know it takes me out of it a little bit sometimes got to admit mm. like ah That's fair. yeah i don't know yeah know. <laughs> sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't for yeah. sure whereas like if you compare it to like clue which is camp on camp on camp but it's so well done they are all like at the top of their game in that movie i just feel like sometimes this one fell a little flat for me yeah um, and she was one that would often take me out of it that's fair. Her character is pretty convinced that this is a closed case, suicide, and in general is just annoyed by how nosy they are being. Fair. What what the fuck are you doing there? <laughs> right. If I'm trying to do my job and solve like a murder or something, I'd be like, can you not? Can you just stop? Get out. They all have this moment where they they have like gone home for the night and then they meet up <laughs> in the elevator again and they all go, the garbage bag. <laughs> <laughs> what was in the yeah, garbage he was bag? randomly carrying a garbage bag yeah yeah they go look for it in the basement they find it too they like literally search through all the trash and find his garbage bag which is wild and at that point oliver suggests they start a podcast and immediately starts directing charles on how to <laughs> deliver podcasts like lines like hooks and stuff yeah and mabel's just like oh my god yeah <laughs> But she finds a note that reads, if there's anyone left to care, there's nothing left for me anymore. And I'm just tired of feeling lonely. I don't want to be lonely anymore. And this character's name that died was named Tim Kono. Yeah, potentially confirmation of his suicide here. Yeah. Certainly seems that way. But why would you put your suicide note in your in trash? trash? Well, I guess they think that it's like attempts like... Because he also had a suicide note on his computer, I think, or something. Oh, okay. Um, so, like, maybe it was, like, drafts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? that's fair. And then Mabel has a realization her neighbor, Bunny, would often get packages of Tim's. Uh, so hmm. they go investigate Bunny's apartment. And by investigate, I mean they break in. They do they that do a lot. Many times. <laughs> <laughs> they just go where they want. No rules. Nancy Drew style. Yeah. And this is where you learn that Mabel's renovating her aunt's apartment and that she says back in the day she had a gang of Hardy Boys that would solve fake mysteries in the apartment building. Mm -hmm. If I had a gang of friends that were as into mysteries, that would be so fucking fun. It would be so fun. And like they pretty much had the whole of the Arconia at their disposal to like run around in basically 
which is yeah. like the perfect setting if you're pretending to solve mysteries as a kid. Yeah. It's like old, really nice apartment building in New York to run around it. Like, I, yeah. it's just, it's really like a perfect make believe set <laughs> for kids to do that. It goes on a, a little bit older than I probably would have felt okay about breaking into people's apartments. Mm. If you're like a kid and you don't know any better, that would be fun. It's very innocent. Uh, it gets less innocent because the flashbacks <laughs> that they show, they're like in their teenage years. Teenagers, yeah. Which yeah. at that point, it's like potential e. felony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. And they do get a package and inside the package is a diamond ring meant for Tim. So potentially like an engagement ring, they are thinking. So... Oliver, we see him bring gifts to his grandkids, which is very cute. And he asks his son for money um, in this scene. I really like Oliver's son. Yeah, me too. He's one of the few characters that I don't feel like he doesn't go camp really at all. No, he's very real. And like down to earth. And I think that's a good counterpart for Oliver because he's just so over the top. Yeah. But they, they have... You know, like a okay relationship. They're not like super close seeming when mm-hmm. you first see them interact. But Oliver is super cute with his grandchildren. Yeah, they're conveniently not there because he wants to ask for money. Yeah, he's. <laughs> <laughs> and his son's like, nah, I've given you too much already. And he also refuses to sell his probably like multi-million dollar yeah. apartment. I also want to point out throughout all of his money problems only once does he give thought to the idea of selling one of his big giant posters but i'm like your apartment is full of crap that you could sell oh, yeah it's oh, like yeah. fully furnished beautiful fixtures like just sell some of that right, shit like, to make rent the furniture in this apartment is like the sort of furniture that's like a couple grand per piece you know like (laughs) i don't know i would feel the same way if my parent who was like living in this very lush apartment with everything like fully furnished and nice in it i would be like i think you can figure this out yourself like pay your building fees sell any of your other shit dad i have kids so yeah yeah. like this is new york i have kids no like i don't blame his son here and it's not really played off as He's like a bad guy for saying no. No, no. It's very justified that he says yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. But then, yeah, they put out their first episode of Only Murders in the Building is what they decide to call it. Yep, yep. Name drop. Doop, doop. Um, and the very end of the episode is a montage. It's like, you know, such a token of the genre montage mm-hmm. where they all have secrets. Um, the only <laughs> yeah. one that really matters is Mabel's. <laughs> she was Hardy Boys with Tim Kono, the dead man. So there's something she's keeping under wraps there. What is their relationship? So you also find out that Oliver is about to be evicted from his apartment and Charles was left by it actually doesn't turn out to be Lucy. You think it's a woman named Lucy. And he's very sad about it. Just like lonely. It's a, pre- a depressed man. <laughs> but Mabel <laughs> has an actual pertinent secret. Yeah. From here on, we're going to do more broad strokes because we wanted to really like introduce you to the characters for that first episode. Mabel is a fan of Brazos, which is a funny dynamic with her and Charles. It's she- cute. 
brings it up a lot. Yeah. She, yeah, she starts watching it, like, after she meets him and stuff. Yeah, it's sweet. She, like, super knows Tim. It definitely mm-hmm. leans hard into that after the reveal happens. It right, literally, yeah. you get a flashback of her talking to Tim in the Arconia as adults, and she's begging him to make things right for a man named Oscar. And he's like, dude, you disappeared for 10 years. Like, don't come back and act like you know me. Stop talking to me. If you see Mm -hmm. me in the building, ignore me. So that's what she did, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we see her actually wearing the ring that they found. And she's like sketching Tim in her spare time, which is like, very it's suspicious. Weird, isn't it? Why are you doing that? Yeah, it puts your suspicions on her. For it's like I, I know why did I really she think she did the murder, but like it's just strange. I think it's just meant to be like a red herring thing. Mm. But yeah, like was she in love with Tim or something? Mm. But um, it turns out he was pretty universally hated around the building. They at his memorial, it's like nobody really has much to say about him that's nice yeah a bunch of people complained about him um which eventually they get all of those complaints from the i don't actually know how that worked it's it's like the hr for the building kind of yeah yeah basically um a woman somebody already has like applied and wants his apartment (laughs) yeah (laughs) because yeah this building is like I think it is like one of those sort of situations where it's so old and the apartments have been passed down and they're so mm-hmm. expensive that like when one opens up, people jump on it because it's so hard to like get. Yeah. yeah. And this other dude's cat died the same night that Tim died. And everyone is like super sad about the cat, but not about <laughs> Tim. Not upset about Tim. <laughs> This is me when an animal dies in any <laughs> show, book, movie. Like, I'm way, always way more upset. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. <laughs> but also, you're at a memorial service for this man. Yeah, we, we get a little glimpse of Oliver stealing food from the memorial because, you know, money's tight. Money. And uh, Mabel, again, we see her dwelling on Tim a lot. I guess it's just meant to show, like, that she really misses him and like regrets sort of how their relationship fell apart yeah and so she makes like a little video about him on her computer you learn that they met when they were 10 years old because he lived there with his family and mabel visited her aunt every summer and they became friends and they were the first two original hardy boys she's like he was direct he never lied people didn't like him for that reason but she Mm -hmm. did you know and then Mm -hmm. eventually Oscar, the guy that she confronted him about, um, and a girl named Zoe joined the gang and all became the Hardy Boys and broke into rooms and Zoe was crazy and stole shit. <laughs> yeah, she Zoe was going like a little like full bling ring with it and was taking things too far, whereas I feel like the others of the group were like, mm-hmm. it's just the thrill of like breaking in and like looking yeah. for secrets and stuff not yeah. actually stealing anything yeah zoe was rich she was like mm-hmm. posh rich and then i think tim was as well um mm-hmm. mabel was just yeah, there visiting and oscar was the maintenance worker's son so right so different sort of social strata happening there yeah they also break into his apartment in episode two um 
And they find a bookshelf completely stocked full of Hardy Boys books. Mm, Which yeah. is kind of really cool. <laughs> yeah. I think if I saw that, I'd be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's fellow. I mean, that's cute. <laughs> right, Do you yeah, ship Nancy us. Drew and Frank Hardy too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see you're a man of culture. But he also has quite a few unpaid bills and um, quite a stash of sex toys that they find. Fun. It's, uh, yeah. And then evidence of the dead cat being there. There is uh, like bloody paw prints, prints right? Yeah, and fur. And... Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. and they literally take like trash bags and <laughs> fill the trash bags full of his shit and bring them back to Charles's apartment and go through it. <laughs> uh, this is like how you set yourself up to get, if not charged with murder, then like, um, like you're something obscuring a, evidence. A crime or, scene, yeah. like, yeah, messing with it. But to be fair to them, the case is technically closed. It was ruled a suicide. That's true. There's not like an ongoing murder investigation happening, but... But you're still breaking into somebody else's property and stealing their stuff. It's not the best choice. (laughs) So, yeah, but there's no consequences (laughs) for that. (laughs) We get a flashback with Mabel again, um, and it's from 10 years previous, I think. And um, it's like a New Year's Eve party, and it shows her and the Hardy Boy gang, and they were at this New Year's Eve party. Zoe and Oscar got into a fight, and then later... Tim sees someone push Zoe over the edge of the roof, but he doesn't say anything to the cops and he doesn't confirm to the cops that it wasn't Oscar who pushed her over. But he knows it wasn't. Yeah. um, So it is assumed Oscar goes down for the crime um, Mm -hmm. and Mabel's upset with Tim because it's now been 10 years that this man has been in jail for a crime that he knows he didn't commit. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair reason to stop talking to someone. I would cut ties too that's what the, despicable yeah yeah it's rough and this you get a scene of this party a lot it's like very saturated it's kind of blurry because everybody's drunk um it mm-hmm. looks like a fun party but it does yeah this i i think was the most intriguing storyline to me yeah out of all of the little side stories you get i think so too it's definitely the through line thread for this first season that really keeps you going and keeps making things fall into place in certain ways that makes sense yeah but then it it wraps up in episode eight and i was like oh Mm, yeah i'm less interested now i'm glad it resolves but that was the one i I really cared about the most yeah what happened 10 years ago Mm -hmm. mabel actually confronts charles here who he claims to have written the speech that he told her and uh, they promise not to lie and they promise to trust each other here. And this is, I think, where their their friendship is like really kind of settling in here. They're, yeah. Like in this together. Although the boys don't know that she's lying to them yet. Um, no. Or lie by omission. She's not really <laughs> she's lying. She's not telling the truth. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and actually Mabel goes back to the apartment by herself and she finds... The Hardy Boys books are actually cutouts and they're chock full of jewelry, which mm. is interesting. The jewelry that they use because it looks so fake. 
It looks like costume jewelry. It does. It's very chunky, over the top jewelry. Yeah. Pearls and big jewels and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, this looks like kids' like pirate treasure. It does. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like the little thing you pull out at the dentist and they're like, here you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you're meant to believe it's real. <laughs> it's a big moment of discovery that actually is like the cliffhanger that wraps up the episode two. Yeah talking right along and um oliver is trying so hard to get a musical off the ground it's called splash yeah with a pool on stage (laughs) dude dude okay so this is a flashback to like his downfall in this (laughs) um industry Mm -hmm. but if this had worked this would be so cool it would be really cool yeah but i think it's it's your way of seeing just exactly how over the top Oliver is and like his crazy ideas that he tries to get people on board with and people are like no this is not realistic he he does manage it like he does get it into production but eventually you learn that um, (laughs) the reason it flopped is because on press night when only the press have come to see the preview of the play there was a problem with the hydraulics of the pool, and so it didn't open into a pool. It was still a floor, and all of his cast dove headfirst onto <laughs> the floor. It's not it's not funny, but, like, I know I could laugh at it because it's a TV show, because this is, like, some Looney Tunes fuck-ups. Like, this and, is, like, wild coyote shit that, like, went wrong. It honestly, and when he tells this story, it's like very dramatic and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you learn that he had put his son's college fund into the show, which failed. So. Yikes! Yikes! Yeah, yeah. Back to the present, and he's, um, I think, given like 24 hours before they shut off his utilities, like eviction is imminent, so he's very drastic measures now and he goes to feeling desperate (laughs) which again sell literally any of your shit but whatever but yeah there's so many things you could do (laughs) but sure that's part of his character i think is he is so possessive of like all of his nice things and his nice apartment like he he doesn't want to give them up that he lives this lifestyle yeah very comfortably even though he's not. It's the perspective. Yeah, but like Mm -hmm. literally because of that way he is, he lost his wife. Like she divorced him because of his mistakes. So yeah, he's not doing well. No, he's struggling. Um, But he goes to his friend Teddy, who's played by Nathan Lane. Iconic. Great. Yeah. So good. He's great in the show too. This is like, there's so many like old school comics in this show that like make it so good. Yeah. I will say he has a deaf son in this show. And okay, I know he learned sign language probably for the role. But I bet so Zoe also eventually speaks or does sign language too. And she's so fluent in it. <laughs> and Nathan Lane, he, I know he tries, but man, it's <laughs> <Bless> bad. It. <laughs> it's not good. Yeah. I am only marginally qualified to say that because I took four years of sign language. It's been a minute. I'm not anywhere near fluent, but it's just watching him. I'm like, oh, oh, no. 
<laughs> I mean, it's just like watching anybody in a show try and say a few lines in another language. You're just like, e, ooh, oh, no. <laughs> like, I don't even speak that language, but I can tell it's bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a little hard to watch sometimes. It's hard to believe because, I mean, like, it's literally his son is deaf. Yes. So you would obviously be very fluent. His and son who looks like he's language. 30 years old. I'm like, mm-hmm. if you've been yeah. signing for 30 years, you would be a lot better at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. It's okay. <laughs> but he's very, very wealthy, and mm-hmm. he initially refuses, but Oliver manages to get him to agree to invest in the podcast, and he gives him $35,000. It's a ridiculous is like, amount of money for it's a so podcast. Mu- I'm like, well, to get a podcast off We're the making ground? one like, right now for almost nothing. <laughs> It's like, like we have a couple pieces of equipment that I mean are, you know, I feel like still 35K is insane. Yeah. Yes. That's wild. I don't yes. know. I, it's, I don't know how he convinced him he needed that much money. Yeah. And what, what do we think he does with it? Because he buys some equipment, but ain't no way it costs $35,000. Does he just pocket the rest of that for his own I'm shit? assuming he's just paying his building fees with it. But he's still, it's not enough, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he doesn't pay his building fees with it. But I mean, I don't know what else you're meant to think he does with that 35K. That's a lot of money. Split it between the other two. <laughs> Anyways. I, I, it's I don't know. ridiculous. It's, yeah. Yada yada that away. <laughs> Try yeah. not to think about it. <laughs> they do kind of a fancy little artistic move in this episode, which they do sometimes. See, that's another thing about this that kind of jars me is that they choose to do these little offshoots within episodes, but Mm -hmm. not all the time. Not in every episode. There's one episode where it's the entire episode that they Mm -hmm. do it. So it's just like the consistency of it is a little weird. The pacing of it feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. So in this one, the gang are trying to match the tenants of the building with the complaints that they have made about Tim Kono. And Mm. Oliver, it cuts to him on a Broadway stage auditioning the tenants of the building. Um, Like, so it's like happening in his head, you know. So it's like a neat little feature that they put in there. Mm -hmm. It's a cool artistic choice, but you're just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then they just move on from it. And you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) And then, like, in the next episode, there's no artistic choices like that. And, Mm -hmm. And then in the next one, it's a whole episode, you know, so... Right. It's meant to, I think, show kind of how Oliver thinks about things because, like, he is so over the top and theatrical and, like, he relates everything to theater. Yeah. So in his head, as they're, like, interviewing the inhabitants of the Arconia, he's in his head, he's (laughs) interviewing them, auditioning them on a stage because it's Oliver and he's just, like. Which is cool. It's a cool scene. I wish that they had done it for the other two as well. Like, there's one part where Charles gets a little bit of, what is it called? Hyperrealism? I know what you're talking about. It's like what they do on Jane the Virgin is what they call it. Um, I'm going to find the word. Hang on. Where things are like larger than life, but you're supposed to accept them within the reality of the show. Yeah, I can't think of the magical realism. Word. That's what it's called. <laughs> um, fuck, okay. Well, how was I talking about that? 
Oh, you were talking about it in regards to Charles, about how oh, like yes. you wish the other two characters had like their sort of flair in the way that Oliver does. Um, and Charles does. He has yeah. like those moments. Yeah. So we have one episode where Charles has a magical realism moment, but then there's none for Mabel ever. I don't think. So I'm like, why does he? Charles only has the one that I know of. Oliver has it a couple times and then Mabel never has it. So I wish I would have liked to have seen it for all of them and have it just mm. consistently throughout the series be like those cool little deviations. Yeah. I think it's not something that comes around until season two, but it's kind of insinuated. Mabel is the artist who does the theme. Oh, yeah. Eventually she draws it. Yeah, yeah. like she eventually like draws it in the apartment. And so like, I guess that is sort of meant to be mm, that way. Her. There's not as many for Mabel, for sure. There's like a lot for Oliver. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess it's just easiest for him because he's the you know, theater guy, but <laughs> right. It yeah. makes for good TV because it is just so theatrical and over the top. Anywho, through his interviews on stage, we learned that Tim threatened to shoot the guy's cat who died. His name is Howard. Mm -hmm. Howard. So they go and interview Howard. You love Howard. <laughs> he's a, he's a hard to love character, but I like him as a character. I think he's very, entertaining like yeah it's the same thing like i would not like this person in real life but like, i i love watching him on tv yeah. because he's just so like high maintenance <laughs> just a pain in the ass and like his but delivery of way. lines is pretty good yeah like i just like this actor and like yeah i think he's great um who's he played by he's played by um michael cyril creighton um he's great yeah. 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 And he's crazy. So they go into his apartment and he's like left everything exactly the same from his when his cat died. Like there's hair everywhere. And um <laughs> and they find the cat in the freezer. <laughs> this man, right? Like he's just he's a little loopy. Mm, poor Howard. Yeah. He's very attached to this cat. Uh and he hates Tim Kono. Yeah. At this point, they think he's the murderer yeah. because of this evidence that they found. But then Charles gets a nosebleed and Howard faints. faints. Like he's <laughs> down and they're like, Oh no, he, could <laughs> he murdered did not somebody. Like, somebody. No way. We would have found him laying next to Tim Kono's body. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So there's kind of two scenes that happen at the end of this episode, which are your cliffhangers for the next episode. Mm. Mabel asks the superintendent about his son, Oscar and, He's like, dude, leave him alone. Like, bro just got out of jail. <laughs> leave him alone. And then when she goes back to her apartment, she's looking through Tim's stuff, and she finds a note for him that reads, GM 131 at 4.30 p.m. Shore Road. It's a lead. Intrigue. Oliver also gets a note on his door that says, end the podcast or I end you, which is very direct and threatening. Um, and he opens his apartment to find that they have poisoned his dog, Winnie. Yeah. And I think we failed to mention it because it's just kind of like thrown in. Yeah. That Sting lives in this building. The musician, the actual yeah. <laughs> real musician, like, Sting. And he plays himself. He plays Sting, the musician who just has an apartment <laughs> in this building. I love that you're saying his name so much because in the show, they say his name so much. <laughs> they say <it> so much. <laughs> Like, and then at this point, he's like, Sting is the murderer. Because <laughs> Sting doesn't like dogs. Like, you find that out. <laughs> Just 
my god. I love the casual celebrities just thrown into this show. They are yeah. just cast in there like willy nilly yeah. and like they play themselves, but then obviously there's very famous people in this show who don't play themselves. Right. Like Tina Fey and yeah. Right. Yeah. Like Meryl Streep's in season two. She doesn't play really? Meryl Streep. Nice. But she's an actress in the show. She just doesn't play Meryl Streep. It's gr- it's great. I it's love good. it. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. And I also like that the show goes meta sometimes and they make fun of themselves. Mm-hmm. They use they the podcast really, they do. to do that, which I think is clever. Yes. Um, because the podcast reflects each episode, basically. Um, so when they're making fun of the podcast, they're making fun of the TV show. And I think it's good. Mm-hmm. It works for sure. So, yeah, the next episode opens with, you know, them thinking Sting has done it. um, And they find that he lost millions of dollars because the investment firm that uh, he uses, uh, Tim Kona worked for. So they're like, oh, shit, we have a motive for him to kill Tim. Yeah. This is getting deeper. And they're like, how do we get an interview with Sting? Let's ask Cindy Canning, a.k.a. Tina Fey. (laughs) (laughs) Who is so also very, she's very camp in this show oh, too. Oh like God, she is, I love her. It's She's perfect though. Every line that she's ever said <laughs> yeah, in film is great. <laughs> it's so good. Can do no wrong. <laughs> and so they, I think they reach out to her for that. Yeah, um, they use yeah. connections and they actually meet with her and literally pretty much they fangirl over here, which is a very cute scene. Mm-hmm. But all they get from her is to embrace the mess, is the quote. <laughs> and they learn that to, to go meet with Sting, they decide the best way to do it is to bring him a fully cooked turkey. Because who's <laughs> not going to accept someone that has baked a turkey for you? <laughs> You're right. You have to let us in now. <laughs> it's a one t- one-way ticket into somebody's apartment. Yeah. Yeah, so they bring Sting a turkey. I guess they hear him yelling, right? He admits, because they're like, did you murder Tim Kono? And he's like, I did murder him. And he's like all upset about it because he admits that he had yelled at Tim and fired him. Oh, right. Because he thinks he caused the suicide. Yeah. Because he thinks it was suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and so when he realizes that Tim was murdered, he's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Oh, thank God. It wasn't me. Just, I mean, I don't know. It's fair, I guess. If I thought I had driven someone to suicide and then I found out, no, they actually got murdered, I'd be like, I mean, there goes my guilt, you know? (laughs) Right, yeah. Like, at least I can just be sad for them now and not carry that with me my whole life. Yeah. And in the meantime, they have met this professional bassoonist Mm -hmm. named Jan, who is another resident in the building. Don't you think it's kind of funny that... Jan is played by, um, do you have the cast up? I do. She is played by Amy Ryan. Amy Ryan, who plays Holly in The Office. And Holly is one of the girlfriends of Michael Scott, who dated Jan for a long time. Right, like the other (laughs) notable girlfriend of Michael Scott is Jan, Jan, who is like cuckoo bananas. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah. It's just so fitting. This actress, like, I can't disassociate her from from Holly. Holly. Like, she is so Holly to me her character in this show is even like a little bit goofy yeah. in some of the same ways that Holly is I, so they yeah. are already like similar-ish but there's a little bit of a spark between her and Charles mm-hmm. and 
Mabel and Oliver know that Charles is quite lonely. And so they're like, you should ask her out. Date her. Yeah, they do. They have, oh my God, the scene where they're playing music across the courtyard from each other. It's actually so cute. To live in the Arconia and be able to open that courtyard window and just have music from like a professional musician coming out of a music, like to sit and like read a book or something. Ah, the dream. Dude, that sounds so nice. It's the it's the most adorable shit. You really want it yeah. to go well. Mm-hmm. But they have a date and it doesn't go well because Charles is kind of a dick. But he almost immediately apologizes. And you learn that Lucy is actually his ex's daughter. Um, who he was in her life for six years. Like as a dad, basically. And then when they broke mm-hmm. up, he hasn't spoken to her since. So that's why he's all sad and depressed. He makes Lucy an omelet every morning and just throws it away because she's not there to eat it. But like it was this thing that they did and it's so sad. Oof. Oof. What a backstory for him, huh? Yeah. I love Charles. Like, ugh, I just want to give him a hug. <laughs> yeah, okay. he needs it. And so when Mabel, him and Mabel's relationship is really cute because Mabel comes mm. into his life and is this smart, snarky girl. But I feel like he's she's a daughter surrogate. And mm-hmm. Their relationship blossoms and it's adorable. Yeah. Because his and Lucy's relationship was kind of like that. Like she was snarky with him too, even though she was just a little kid, you know. They had a rapport. Yeah. Yeah. So Charles is getting involved with Jan and going through this like up and down thing. And I don't know if it's in this episode or not, but they they do agree to a second date. Yeah. After he like apologizes and stuff. Cliffhanger for episode four, Mabel links GM, the note that she found, with a jeweling company called Gus Montrose. And it ends with her being followed by Tie-Dye Guy and the boys discovering that she's been lying. Yeah. It is very cliffhangery. Every episode. You know when you're getting to like the end of an episode and there's like four to five minutes left, you're like, all right, they're going to start dropping shit now that like (laughs) yeah yeah very tropey but i fall for it every single time i mean yeah like i gotta know it's gonna just gets me the other show i can think of that does that pretty much at the end of every single episode is the netflix show dark which is Mm. a german show but it's bro there is like a montage pretty much at the end of every episode that it's the secrets it's the secrets montage, but yeah. it happens in like every episode of Dark or like you'll see somebody doing something and you're like, ah, oh, and you have like a big realization and then they're just like cuts and you're like, man, <laughs> I would say we should cover that one. But holy shit, there's so much to that show. Definitely oh, go man. watch it love- if you like that kind of stuff. But whoa, I would love to. But it's so dense. trying to vocally describe what happens in that show would be so difficult because it's so interwoven. Yeah, it's a really like warbly time kind of show mm-hmm. so i don't know if we'll ever have to be multiple parter yeah <laughs> yeah for um, sure even this so i never finished dark because i don't like cliffhangers and i mm. actually watched this when it started coming out first and i didn't finish it i didn't finish the last two episodes because i was like dude <laughs> it bothers me so much <laughs> And oh, I want man. them to be winning all the time. And I and they have little baby failures. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but it really got to me. I'm glad it that sucks. we came back to cover it on the podcast because I actually like the ending. But I mean, yeah. it sucks to watch your heroes like struggle. Then mm-hmm. they get on the struggle bus quite a few times. So, yeah. you know, 
in like annoying ways. I'm like, this was yeah. avoidable. <laughs> you guys are yeah, right. So it's like stupid. almost always avoidable. <laughs> and them doing dumb shit. Yeah. It's like, ugh, dang it. <laughs> so Mabel actually <laughs> tackles tie dyed guy at one point. Yeah. And uh, it's revealed that it's Oscar, her Oscar. old friend. This man, who's he played by? He's adorable. <laughs> He's very cute. He is played by Aaron Dominguez. Yes. And um, yeah, he, I would argue, is maybe of all the actors, he's my least favorite just because he's so, I don't know, it doesn't seem like there's much depth there. No, he doesn't really get much to do. Yeah. Really. I think it's just partly a writing and also just like his character's role in this season is not. It plays a big role, but he doesn't get a lot of, like, meat to do it with, you know? True. Yeah, you're right. He's just this guy that's, like, I'm trying to be positive because I was in jail and that sucked. Mm -hmm. So I don't really want to be involved in this, but also I've been waiting to fuck Mabel for 10 years. (laughs) So. (laughs) Yeah. He, like, really likes her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He deduces that GM is actually Mabel's cousin who they actually all got matching tattoos from back in the day. Yeah. She's like, like, how did I miss that? (laughs) He's like, I don't know. (laughs) He's had a lot of time to think about it, I guess. (laughs) So they drive to the tattoo parlor to try and talk to him. And at this point, Charles and Oliver know she's been like lying to them or like withholding truth. So they are secretly following her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they get, once they get to her cousins, they confront her. Lots of antics along this car chase, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Oscar at first was like, dude, I cannot be involved in this. I'm trying to move past it. But he almost immediately <laughs> reverses and is Get, like, actually, I like you. So <laughs> I I would like to be involved. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. He literally comes back with ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> when he's <laughs> like... <laughs> and then Charles confronts all of Oscar because he's like, you're a tie-dye guy. Mm-hmm. Why were you going you up were the running stairs? upstairs? Yeah. <laughs> and they also confront Mabel. Yeah. Um, for like withholding the truth from them. Apologies all around, basically. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Oscar says that he was going upstairs to see Tim that night. Um, but like right as he got to Tim's door, he heard a gunshot. And so he booked it. Yeah. Because he was like, I'm not, I just got just got out of jail. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't blame him. And Mabel's like, guys, I'm I'm sorry, but I didn't know if I could trust y'all. And yeah. And we learn from Tavo Mabel's cousin that Tim was trying to take down a black market jewelry dealer, and he was actually worried that he was gonna be murdered. Yeah. Hmm. And they're like, what, Jules? And the cliffhanger for this episode is Mabel like pours out a bag of all the jewels that she found in Tim's apartment. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. I found these in his apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way. Yeah. So the next episode, we get a little bit of backstory on Detective Williams. I like her backstory. Yeah, I agree. Her wife is pregnant. Their relationship is very cute. Mm -hmm. Her wife loves true crime podcasts and is a fan of Only Murders in the Building. Yeah. Of course. She listened to it. <laughs> She's been re-examining the evidence, knowing that like Detective Williams worked on this case, and she's saying like 
hey, like, I think you need to look at this. Yeah. Uh, I'm not so sure it was a suicide because the tox report was not submitted and the phone never made it to IT. Kim Kono's phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, so evidence was just straight up not looked into. Detective Williams, who already closed this case as a suicide, is like, ah. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> so she's like, I don't. Like, I'm going to look into this now, but I have to do it on the down low because the chief would not like it if I reopened this, like, high-profile case. So, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so we cut back to Mabel pouring out all that jewelry, and Tavo says that a lot of the jewelry came from someone called Angel. We don't really get anything more than that. Um, but Mabel's mom actually shows up. Yeah! Here. Which was fun. Um, they mm-hmm. all go back to her mom's house and have dinner, and it's cute. It's cute. It's it's weird. It's like once they all sit down at the dinner table together, her mom is like the audience surrogate for kind of being like, "This is weird, guys. Your relationship you with these men stop. is weird." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she asks Charles and Oliver. She's like, "I think you guys should just like all like leave each other alone. You don't need to be involved in this." I mean, she's just trying to protect her her daughter from getting involved in shit that she doesn't need to be involved in, especially because she's already been involved in something really dramatic and like a death from 10 years previous when Zoe fell off the building. So it's like she probably saw how that all affected Mabel. And yeah, yeah, I don't blame her here. She's just trying to protect her. Like you're stuck in the past. And to be fair, it sounds like she has been for the last Mm -hmm. 10 years. Like she cannot let it go. And she has a heart-to-heart with Oliver and Charles about it. Um, And they do leave. They're like, okay, bye. She's probably right. Bye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're like, what? And then Mabel's like, actually, no, I don't want to be done with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And she realizes Tim was looking for the ring Zoe had on the night she died, but she didn't have it on when she fell. So it's like she was wearing this ring at the party, but it wasn't found on her body when she fell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like this giant oval emerald ring that, again, looks so fake. (laughs) Probably like $2 million ring. Like, it's absurdly big. Ridiculous. Right. Yeah, yeah. But she tells her mom after this, she has to see it through. Like, this realization. She's just like, it's all connected to the stuff that I can't move on from. Like, this stuff happening now. Like, I can't just walk away from it at this point now that I've connected it. Yeah, which is fair. She's wanted answers for so long, and now she's just starting to get them. Like, yeah, no way, no shot she's going to stop. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is already in her nature. (laughs) So she's definitely not going to. So you find out that Cinda Canning, Tina Fey, has talked about the podcast on Jimmy Fallon, like, late night show. Um, So In universe, Jimmy Fallon is Jimmy Fallon. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah, which is a fun scene. And so it gets them more traction. So Teddy Demas gives them more money. And he mm-hmm. signs a lot more. A money. lot. It's like 70 something thousand. I think it's, yeah, like it's like 50 to 70K. Yeah, in it's that crazy. Range. Like another huge chunk of money <laughs> for this podcast. Like nothing. What, Why? What are they blowing this money on? Like, even they're in their investigative process, like there may be like some transportation costs. Like, I can't think about like what. Is spending and how would he get know. return on that? Like, if it's an investment, <laughs> is the podcast making that much to for him to? I don't. 
I don't know what kind of like yeah I don't <laughs> anyway so I don't know where that money is going. He signs the check to them under the company name Angel Incorporated. Whoop. Did they realize it right then? Yeah. You as the audience see that mm-hmm. right away, but oh yeah. I couldn't remember if they see that right away and are like, "Oh shit." Yeah, they put it together for sure, yeah. And then Mabel has been sent Tim Kono's phone by Detective Williams because she can't mm. look into it herself. So she just gives it to Mabel. She's like, maybe I'll just let them do it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the cliffhanger. <laughs> Once again. Yeah. Um, so we spend a little bit more time with Teddy's son. This is Nathan Lane's character, the um, investor. His son, Theo, who is probably late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Very, He's like, the same very much age grown as adult. Mabel, I think. Like 28, mm-hmm. 29. He's the the deaf character. Yeah. So he grew up being able to read lips mm-hmm. and has been spying on our trio. Mm-hmm. And uh, he steals a master key from the front desk and um, sneaks into their HQ, their apartment. They have their big cork board with yeah. all their like red string connecting everybody. And he takes a picture of their suspect board. And their ongoing in- investigation to try and see how much progress they've a made. A ton of this episode is from his perspective, or it follows him, I guess. And he's deaf. So they make the choice for this episode only to be almost entirely silent. Mm-hmm. Even when people are talking, he's reading their lips. So it's silent, but there's subtitles. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they put in like stings of like a door closing or musical cues, which mm-hmm. is fun. But this is one of those where I thought that the ge- the gag was only going to go on for a little bit, like all of the other gags that have been in the series. It's the entire episode. There's just random episodes in this show that are, they make like a stylistic choice or it's like a bottle episode where it's like one event and like the yeah. whole thing takes place at this one event or something like that. Um, and I like it. I just. It's just strange to, the that consistency. doesn't like carry over really. Yeah. Yes. But it's cool. It's a neat episode. You have to pay attention. <laughs> right. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's it's a fun one. So Mabel and Charles break into Teddy's apartment. And <laughs> just breaking into. Uh, everywhere. Wherever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they find a hidden room in his suite. And it is filled with urns. Yep. Which is like one of the more unsettling things I think you could find filling a room in someone's house it's really weird yeah (laughs) yeah theo comes back from his little crusade of breaking in to talk to his dad teddy about the gang being onto them he's like dude they know like they know they they think we're involved we need Mm -hmm. to be careful and teddy's like i got this and he hides jewels in the urns Mm -hmm. so that's why he has them we get a flashback of the Hardy Boy gang breaking into Teddy's suite, and Zoe steals the emerald ring, which is the one that she was the missing ring that we that Tim was looking for. She catches Theo spying on them because he's in in this hidden room with the urns full of jewels, spying out on them through a peephole, and she catches him, tells him he's hot in sign language. Yeah, because she knows. Sign language. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And later on New Year's Eve, the eve that she dies, um, she gets into an elevator with him and his dad and feels him up. And then, mm-hmm. you know, it's like 
Apparently, she has a deaf cousin, so that's why she knows sign language. But while she's signing, which I think is clever to bring attention to the hands, she's mm-hmm. got on the emerald ring that she stole from their apartment. So And Teddy sees Teddy it. Teddy sees like, it. <laughs> um, excuse me? Like, uh, what the fuck? You need to get that ring back. Yeah. So back in modern, t- uh, modern day, Mabel and Oliver go to the funeral home that they have connected with all of these urns and find... Theo has been stealing jewelry off of dead people, uh, which is vile and so weird and just like icky. I hate, I just hate the concept of that. So bad. Yeah. And then he's like sells them on the Mm -hmm. black market, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Just underhanded. Yeah. Uh, Flashback again to New Year's Eve. Theo goes to the party. He witnesses Zoe and Oscar fighting. This fight, like, because, again, it's silent, but he's reading lips. Zoe says to Oscar, I feel like I'm dating the help. I'm so bored with this. And he says, fuck this and walks off. Yeah. That's so awful. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry that she died, but she seemed like she was just a terrible person. Like, they were friends with her because I think it was like this like closed off little community of people living in the Arconia and like she was dating Oscar and she I think was the one that had the master key to all the apartments and stuff so right like she was the one doing all the stealing and stuff yeah this is just like a terrible thing to say to someone dude it's unhinged yeah I mean (laughs) and so Theo comes up to her and is like look I need the ring back and she definitely heavily implies that they have been having sex like randomly hmm. did you get that yeah. vibe yeah it's like she implies that they have sex then the way she does it and the implication is like it wouldn't be the first time that that's right happened. yeah it's just a vibe but it's i don't know that it would necessarily fit super well i don't know she said i enjoy our meetings the quiet ones and the loud ones is what she yeah. says so i don't know and then he's like clearly into her Mm-hmm. they have something going on anyways. Because he's like, I'll yeah. get you a real ring someday. Like, I need this one back, but maybe, basically, maybe we could be together someday. And she laughs in his face. <laughs> and I feel so bad for him and Oscar. Yeah. Again, she just kind of seems like a terrible person. Yeah. They end up kind of like shoving each other back and forth. She 100% starts it. Yeah, and he shoves her and off the building she goes. <laughs> Oops. Yep, yep, yep. And who witnesses it? Tim Kono. Right. And you get a really awful scene of Theo going back to his apartment and like sobbing. Like he vomits a bunch and then he mm-hmm. sobs and his dad is like, what did you do? Are you responsible? Like, I'll fix it. Just tell me what happened. See, again, I feel like would have been a lot more powerful if he was better at sign language. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love you, Nathan Lane. Yes. You're great in the show. You but tried. <laughs> but we get the backstory here of why tim refused to testify that it was not oscar that pushed her off of the building and it was because teddy goes and threatens tim and mabel tim is obviously very protective of her and obviously like his own life is being threatened so he never testifies that oscar is innocent which sucks because you know, Mabel and his relationship deteriorates because of this, but he's doing mm-hmm. it to protect her. It sucks. And then he dies before she ever figures that out. 
It's a big bummer. As Mabel, I feel like that would be really hard to come to terms with afterward, after finding that out. Yeah, it, it, their cliffhanger for this one is that Theo has captured Mabel and Oliver and tied them up in the back of a van. Yeah. And they have been texting Charles this whole time because Charles <laughs> has Tim's phone. And they're like, try the password Theo. Um, and it works. He gets into it. And then the episode ends. That's about where I tapped out, though, because I'm like, oh, so now they're in the back of a van tied up. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. And like Charles is going to be the one to save them. Like, I'm sorry, but like if my life was in Charles's hands, I'd be like, well, shit. <laughs> He's just so bumbling. Yeah. Um, I just, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm. So there is like a fan base for the podcast now for Only Murders in the Building. Mm -hmm. And um, they call themselves the Arconiacs and they like hang out in front of the building yeah. in like the courtyard. This is the cold open where it goes very, very meta. Yes. Because they're talking about the podcast and they're like, oh, you remember when they thought it was Sting? What an episode mm -hmm. with no stakes. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, because that episode had no stakes. <laughs> Right, like, yeah, it's like this whole buildup of like, it's Sting, and then it's not, right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's fun that they, you know, make fun of their own show. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's clever. Um, So Mabel and Oliver are still being kidnapped by Theo, and um, they're taken to meet Teddy, and uh, he threatens them as well to say, like, stop the podcast mm -hmm. because... I don't want any of this getting out, obviously. Right. You know too much now. But he's like, we didn't kill Tim, though. Right. Definitely did the Zoe thing. And we're definitely secret armed, like, jewelry dealers. But we didn't kill Tim. But I didn't, I didn't kill him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> they sort of managed to get away and um, run to Charles's apartment. Turns out that Charles and Jan had separately figured out the truth about Zoe's death and that Tim's been working to take down Teddy and Theo for quite a few years because they threatened him to begin with. So right. yeah, he's trying to get a little bit of revenge for and clear Oscar, Oscar. And for himself. Yeah. Um, and they meet with detective Williams because, you know, they work it out that she has sent the phone mm -hmm. and she's like, look, I can't do anything. So you guys are going to have to make a case, build all the evidence, and then I can make an arrest and, you know, protect you guys for being murdered by Teddy. <laughs> so, um, which is a wild thing to do as a detective. <laughs> I don't believe yeah, it, but whatever. Actual, mm, I feel like that's a career ending thing for her to do. Even if it all worked out perfectly where, like, they solve the case, the murder is solved, they are, you know exonerated from being involved or whatever and but like i still feel like her supervisor is gonna be like you can't be a detective anymore if you're gonna be doing shit yeah like yeah we have to let you go Bro, like this is your job not yeah. this random group of civilians yeah <laughs> you find out that oscar had met up with tim's contact through the jewelry stuff and the emerald ring had been sold to tim but he didn't mm. have it in his apartment so Where's the ring? It's still missing. Yeah. So Oliver <laughs> invites the uh, podcast fans, the Arconiacs, to their little like planning powwow. Mm -hmm. And um, 
brings them in on the whole investigation, basically. Yeah, so Jan is there, and she's really annoying to everybody. And she's trying the whole time to dissuade them from the Demises, Teddy and Theo. And I'm like, okay, she's working for them. You know, that was my theory. I was like, she's... It's very suspicious. They don't seem to find it suspicious at all. And I'm like, why would someone who's in this situation keep trying to steer you away from like the obvious people involved yeah yeah hello and she's like the guy with the cat remember yeah like even taking into account what happens later i'm like why would she not just let the demises go down for it i don't know i don't really get it but Um, (laughs) so oliver thinks that the suicide notes they found were actually death threats from teddy Mm -hmm. meant for tim kono And then they go with this theory for the last episode of the podcast and, like, release the episode. This bothered me so much that they... It's just suspicions. They tell it as fact. And I'm like, like, they literally weave a story of what happened that night. And I'm like, there's no way you could possibly know any of this. It's a solid theory, sure, but you don't actually have proof for any of it. And you're just, like, putting it out to the public. Right. Like, it's a real thing. It's like, no, no, no. No, 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 (laughs) no, 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 no. Exactly, yeah. So, of course, like, the cops show up and arrest the Demises because the chief sees it, like, trending on social media and is like, oh. Okay. <laughs> like, they've put out this, like, very popular podcast episode solving yeah. a murder. Which, I mean, so they go down for the jewels and they go down for Zoe's mm-hmm. death, um, which is fair. But Detective Williams notices that the tox report comes back that Tim was actually poisoned before he was shot. And there's photo evidence that the Theo and Teddy were not in the building when that happened. Yeah, so they couldn't have killed Tim. The big cliffhanger for this episode is that Charles runs in to, like, fill Jan in on all of these updates and busts into her apartment, and she has been stabbed and is, like, bleeding out and bloody on the floor um, and there's a note on her door that said, I'm watching you. Bum, bum, bum. What's just happening? Yeah, so we start out the next episode. Jan is going to be okay. Um, she never actually saw her attacker. Yeah. And, um. What is this? So, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what purpose does this serve? <laughs> Charles is I... stunt double for Brazos name is pataki who's played by jane lynch <laughs> freaking jane, <laughs> jane lynch. i think i don't know i have to feel i, I just have this gut feeling that like she's friends with somebody involved with this show yeah. and they were like we're gonna write you a fun silly do role. you want to be in it it just has that sort of feeling to me of like why not <laughs> i do love it i think I, she does great I mean, I very much enjoy her. <laughs> and the whole yeah. gag of her character, the bit, is that she, they make her look like Steve Martin. <laughs> and like <laughs> everyone confuses them, which is just hilarious because it's Jane Lynch. <laughs> it's Jane Lynch. And also, she's like not his stunt double anymore, but they still like look so much alike. <laughs> yeah. And they do like the things at the same time. So they have the same mannerisms and it's good. It works. It's a good bit. But she has stopped by because she thinks that somebody was in love with him that murdered him. That's her theory. Cause she's also been listening to the podcast and Oliver finally gets a note of eviction from the building management. Yep. So he moves in with Charles temporarily. 
uh, Bunny, the leader of the board for the Arconia, holds a meeting for everybody. This character is such a fussy, grumpy old lady. Yes. I kind of like her, though. She's very no-nonsense. You get a lot more of Bunny in, se- in season two, really? which made me like her a lot more. Mm. But yeah, oh, she's that's very a spoiler. abrasive. Unless there's flashbacks. Anyways. Um, I won't say one way or the other. <laughs> I know. I think I'm definitely going to watch season two now. Because after <laughs> I finish season one, I'm like, oh, okay. I have to watch the second season. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, it's good. I promise. But, um, yeah, but yeah, she's fussy. I, I really like it. Because I kind of feel like she's the only one that's realistic. Where she's like, okay, but this is ridiculous. Right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, we can't have this happening. Like, this is absurd. Yeah, I like that's why she's I think endearing is she's like the only person talking any sense. Yeah, <laughs> the tenants are very mad because you know they've been all up in everybody's business and like talking about them. They're breaking into our shit. Like, you gotta stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I mean, this is all valid. <laughs> yeah, and so she's starting paperwork to evict them because there's so many complaints against them. And Charles goes down such a dark path. Which I didn't love. He's found so much solace in these two people. And I know that he has a new girlfriend now. And like in his mind, he's like, this is what matters now. And I get it. You get swept up in a romance. But I feel like Mm -hmm. it doesn't really track very well with his character to be so mean to Oliver and Mabel. And be like, I'm quitting. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. And then just like be awful to them, really. To bail in the way he does yeah he goes all in on the romance with jan and like thinks that she's like his person yeah i think the podcast and stuff was all like a distraction for him yeah from missing lucy and feeling lonely but now that he actually has somebody that makes him not feel lonely anymore he's like all in on that but yeah i mean he is like unnecessarily harsh yeah to oliver and mabel really here. get it and i mean jan even says They mean a lot to you. Like, you don't have to quit. At the very least, you can still, like, be friends with them. Right. Just because you're not doing the podcast or whatever. Like, And he still goes. So I don't I didn't love that part of the season. I didn't think it worked for me. It seemed like they just needed him to split off from the group for a bit. Yeah. So they just kind of like that was the plot device in there. Yeah. It's just so not Steve Martin. Steve Martin is like a happy guy. <laughs> I know. It doesn't seem like something Charles would do. Um, and it kind of it like sucks to watch because like Charles is usually like quite a warm yeah. character. Yeah. Like if you're going to make him quit, make it be like people are getting hurt. Like a really. Yeah. Because he thought he did talk about quitting earlier in the season where he's like, this is Mabel's life. You know, we should mm-hmm. stop because we care about her. And that's like a good reason. And this was just. Yeah. This is him just wanting to sort of bail and back out all of a sudden. Anyways. So then Oliver moves in with Mabel, which is cute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Poor little homeless Oliver who has the, like, world's nicest apartment. Oh, it's so silly. Uh, Oscar meets with his lawyer to try and attempt to clear his name because of all of this new evidence mm -hmm. that has come out. Cool. As Oliver and Mabel are kind of you know, they're living together, so they're talking about the case a lot. And um, they realized that Tim did not have his own trash bag in the elevator that day. Mm-hmm. It's cool. They realized he was taking out somebody else's trash. Yeah. It comes back to the trash a lot, which I think is mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> um, 
that like first scene when I wrote it in the notes and even when we were saying it at the beginning of the episode, I'm like, it seems so unimportant to be like, oh, and then this guy comes in the elevator with a bag of trash and then he leaves. But it comes back to that scene so often. <laughs> right. It's like the impetus for like their whole friendship kind of. And it's that first moment of them being like the trash bag yeah. where they all like really get into like, <laughs> OK, we're we're doing this now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, it comes back around here mm-hmm. and they talk to Tim's neighbor who confirms that he was seeing someone. Yeah. Uh, most likely someone in the building because he was taking out somebody else's trash. Yep. Charles, who has split at this point, um, decides to go to Jan's symphony concert. Um, and this whole time, Jan is like, I'm a first chair bassoonist. I'm the best. He gets there and she is not the first chair bassoonist. So he realizes that she has been lying to him. Mm-hmm. While simultaneously, cliffhanger for this episode, Mabel and Oliver find a bassoon cleaner in Tim's sex toy box. Whoop. This caught me off guard. I know. <laughs> it really did. Because I didn't expect Mostly it. because there's like a significant age difference between Tim Kono's actor character and Jan's actor and character. Um, yeah. Like there's probably like what like a 25 to 30 year which they talk about like it's on purpose um because there's Mm -hmm. also quite a big age gap between charles and her it it also threw me off guard i was like wait what wait what (laughs) hold on a second and tim tim is Uh, made out to be like such a loner like off-putting guy so so mabel and oliver are like oh shit jan was sleeping with tim they were having like a love affair Mm. and just means that Jan could be the murderer. And yeah. so then they're like, oh no, Charles. Yeah. Which is. So they go straight to Charles with and it. And he's like, nah. Mm-mm. Nah, 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 nah. I didn't even want to be a part of this anymore. And now you're accusing my brand new girlfriend who I'm already in love with. <laughs> he's not having it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is just in denial. So they break into her apartment and search it. And they find poison and pills and the missing ring, the all important emerald ring. Did they find the knife at this point, too? They do find the knife also in her apartment. Bitch. That she stabbed herself. She went full gone, girl. Yeah. She staged her own stabbing to make herself look like a A victim. victim. Yeah, for sure. Let me stab myself. (laughs) It's such a drastic (laughs) maneuver. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Cuckoo for cuckoo puffs. And (laughs) I do think it's funny because earlier in the episode, Charles is like, she's got stabbed. Like, she is a victim. And Oliver's like... Bitch, that wasn't even nothing. I get worse wounds from... I don't even remember what he said. <laughs> yeah, but he's just like, eh, this is no big deal. What does that even mean? <laughs> she barely got hurt. Like <laughs> Oliver dismisses that so quickly. It's funny. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, so jo- Charles is like still all in on Jan. And um, they like have a whole moment where they like tell each other they love each other. Yeah, she's like, I'm sorry deal. for lying to you. Yeah. And this is when Charles is like knows that she might be the murderer though he puts it together because he has matched her handwriting to tim's fake suicide notes um so he knows and so she's like trying to get him to drink this drink oh also so he had a nosebleed because he gets a nosebleed when like he's upset or stressed and you know she Mm -hmm. was lying to him so he's like upset 
Um, so she gives him some ice to put on his nose and hands him a drink. And this whole time he's been pretending to drink his drink because he's like, bitch, I know you're the murderer. I ain't drinking mm. this. And she's like, ha, I actually chloroformed you. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was clever. <laughs> but then you get this whole big mm. reveal from Jan, um, a.k.a. Mm. Holly. <laughs> yeah, she has to do her like villain monologue here yeah. and lay it all out. Yeah, she was having like a love affair with Tim. They were sleeping together and he broke things off with her. She then found that emerald ring at his apartment and assumed he was cheating on her. I mean, in her cuckoo mind, she's like, this is meant for another woman. I must kill him. <laughs> I must kill him. <laughs> so she invites him over for drinks one last time and poisons him. She sets the fire alarm in the building off and then shoots him so that the police will just assume it's a suicide and ignore or hopefully not like look into a tox report and find that he was poisoned. And like she's telling Charles all this and she's like, and then I found out that that ring was actually based on the other murder that your podcast solved. It's ironic, isn't it? Whoops, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. She's like, yeah, she's crazy. She's, yeah, so she stabs herself to make herself look more mm -hmm. innocent, chloroforms Charles, and then turns the gas on in her apartment in her fireplace to kill him. But, you know, Mabel and Oliver, they know that Charles is in trouble. So they run to him, mm -hmm. and he has this whole set of scenes where he's like, like flopping around on the floor <laughs> it's, it's so good <laughs> the physical comedy here by Steve Martin because he's like loopy on gas <laughs> is actually really funny he does a great job <laughs> like it's, it's very good it's, and he can't speak either good. so he like blah 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 like yeah <laughs> gurgles his way through things <laughs> is very good yeah he's just like really giggly and stuff it's very yeah it's great yeah but he had recorded Jan's big confession so they get him in Martin Short's dog wheelchair thing and they like, like scoot him around everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he and <laughs> Steve Martin's face when he's being wheeled around is like blissfully happy. <laughs> right. He's delighted, having a great time. Like no idea what the actual stakes are right now. Like, like a kid in a theme park whose parents are wheeling yeah. them around all day, you know? Right. How, like the parents are stressed as hell and he's just like <laughs> in bliss. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. Like the physical comedy here is so Steve Martin is so good. Yeah. And uh, they go down to the basement to try and shut off the gas leak because it turns out Jan has not just done like the gas in her apartment all the fireplaces in the building are open and she has turned on the gas to like the whole building yeah. so gonna murder a bunch of people <laughs> or it'll mm -hmm. explode you know yeah so so they stop it which is yay triumph oliver is the one that has like the know-how which i'm like Okay. How? <laughs> this man. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but then Jan shows up with a gun, you know. Mm. Um, and there's this fun scene where Charles tries to stick up for his friends and be like, no, you're not going to shoot them. I was empty before I met them. Um, and then it like 
cuts to actual reality where he's just like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> yeah, like in his head, he's saying all this stuff and then like nobody can understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> it plays off really well. Yeah. Yeah. So Mabel ends up punching Jan with the emerald ring on her finger, which sucks. Yeah. And Jan, yeah, he, like gets arrested. So that whole main story is um, like resolved. Like yeah. Jan was the murderer. You got the Zoe death figured out and the Tim Kono mm-hmm. death. And the whole jewelry ring thing like solved mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, it all came together, but they were separate instances, which yeah. is neat. All interconnected, which is kind of yeah. fun. So then, yeah, we have like kind of like the wrap up moments for the season yeah. of Oliver getting his eviction reversed and Bunny oh, comes back. Sorry. Is this the dog's name Bunny? The poison dog. What is his name? Winnie. Winnie. Why did Winnie. I write bunny? Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Winnie comes back. Oliver's dog is okay from being poisoned. Mm-hmm. And Oliver's son is really proud of him. This is like a moment where they kind of reconnect a little bit. Yeah. And he actually offers him money here, which Oliver refuses. He's like, no, I got like 70K now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> I solved a murder and they let me stay. <laughs> yeah. Oscar has cleared his name, which is cool. Mabel doesn't get much of a wrap up except that she has finished her mural in on the wall of her aunt's apartment, which is wild. Mm-hmm. Of the like title sequence, like all of the characters animation, which is cool. Mm-hmm. We have a moment where Charles reaches out to Lucy, um, which is very cute and sweet. And yeah, they kind of like wrap up their podcast and um, they're like about to like celebrate and everything. And Charles and Oliver get a text that says, get out of the building now from like an unknown number, which is very suspicious. So they run to like get Mabel to save her to get her out. Which is cute. Their first thought is Mabel. Yeah, we have to get her out. And then we have the scene from the very beginning of the season where they burst in and she's covered in blood, leaning over a dead body that has a knitting needle sticking out of it. Yeah. She's like, it's not what you think because this person is wearing a tie dye hoodie. Um, So you're Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, it's Oscar. But then she rolls her over and it's fucking bunny. It's Bunny, like the building manager lady. Yeah. And you're like, what? With a knit, one of Mabel's knitting needles sticking out of her heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I said spoilers earlier, you get Bunny in the next season. I'm like, hmm, does that mean she's alive? Or is it like flashbacks? You get a lot of Bunny content in the next season. Yeah. So the cops rush in and this obviously looks really bad for Mabel. They all three get arrested. Yeah. And... Cinda Canning is there to record it all and is very like smug yes, about it very all. Very smug. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't the yes, ending. I don't like the ending. Because I'm like, oh yes, I the satisfaction of it being wrapped up, you know, this storyline. Mm-hmm. I fucking love a good payoff and I think it was good. And then yeah. I get it. It's a TV show, it's not a mini-series, they have to keep it going. But I'm like, the characters just won. And then you just bring them all the way back down. And I hate wrongful conviction stories because they're so frustrating. And I I watched the last two minutes of this and I said, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
it's funny to me how irritated you get by a cliffhanger because I like I said like I love a cliffhanger I I I like to be titillated into watching the next thing and you're just like annoyed by it you're just like no I just want it to be over I want the answers I want Stop them it. to have a happy ending and not to be yeah. wrongfully accused Unless they aren't, but they definitely are because they're the cute three main characters. Realistically, Mabel did not murder Bunny, yeah. but it doesn't look good that she's been stabbed with a knitting needle because Mabel was literally like talking about fantasizing about, about murdering. That yeah, it's not the like happiest of endings. You don't even really get to bask in the like celebration. They are about to start celebrating that they've solved all this, yeah. and that's when all this happens. So they don't. The characters don't even get to like bask in it for a little bit. <laughs> the next season's all about that incident and how that plays out. And everything. it makes sense, you know, they have to clear their names and I get it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just bugs me. <laughs> I so how do you how do you rate it? I think I think it's like a three and a half okay. out of five for me. I like I think it's great, like as far as achieving what it sets out to do mm. i don't think this show set out to be like a groundbreaking best mystery mm. you've ever seen like it's it's first and foremost like a comedy you yeah. have steve martin and martin short heading it up yeah. and i think it does like a campy comedy with like a murder mystery in the background mm -hmm. really well and to be fair i was pleasantly surprised by the mystery itself and like how all three mystery of the main mysteries like do interconnect mm -hmm. and like I like when that happens in a murder mystery. Yeah. When everything is actually connected somehow. But yeah, I mean, as far as like rating it against other mystery yeah. stories or other TV shows or anything, like I don't think it's anything like super groundbreaking or anything, but I think it's like I think it's a great, like fun little show. It's cute. I agree with though I think around a three. Cause I mean, I didn't love it, but I didn't not like it. You know, I think it's good and solid and pretty like straight across the board. It just doesn't do anything that like you haven't really seen before. Right. I would say. And the the stylistic choices, the lack of consistency really, <laughs> it bugged me more than it probably should have. I'm like either go all in with it, which would be cool or don't. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. The like going back and forth was frustrating. That makes sense. I'm probably going to watch the second season because of the fucking cliffhanger. So <laughs> <laughs> anywho well thank you so much for listening to another episode um we do recommend only murders in the building and yeah next time we'll be talking about the book black eyed susans by julia haberlin which i am not actually done with yet so i don't yeah. want to say too much about how i feel about it it's i'm liking it so far. dark um so if you go read it be prepared for that it's a mm -hmm. bit more intense than some of the it's like this episode for sure. Um, right. Yeah, like way more intense than this for sure. The stakes seem much higher. But I do think it is definitely worth the read. Check it out. Yeah, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.